Thrive friends, this is your host, Dr. Solomon. Have you ever wondered what's the new norm for the job market and startups and how it will be in terms of work communication in the post-pandemic era? I truly struggled finding a single word to describe my guest today because she is unconventional in many ways. She is an unconventional thinker. She has unconventional life story, a child of Moroccan immigrant in Denmark. She was told by her school teachers that she should not expect to achieve much in life because of her skin color, gender, and her name. She skipped school at the age of 13. She's actually a grade seven dropout. She was placed in public boarding school and never went to college. And yet she managed to educate herself, make a case for herself, and joined the MBA program at Copenhagen Business School without a university degree as someone, quote, who will bring them the highest publicity. Salima Gurani, welcome on Thrive. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty depressing background I have, right? But yeah, I always have confidence, you know, because the thing is, I knew that I was going to be okay. And I saw all my trouble as being, you know, not forever lasting. So even though I was going through all this adversity, I mm -hmm. always knew that I was going to be okay and I'm going to do, I, I'm going to be all, all right. So it's true. I, I walked straight in to Copenhagen Business School with no university degree. And by mm -hmm. the way, I didn't speak English at that time. I, I, and, you know, an MBA is in English, right? Mm -hmm. I walked in to CBS that is really one of the best schools in Europe. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I might not even be able to pay for this MBA. Yeah. <laughs> I will for sure not be able to pass the DMAT and I don't speak English. But if you give me, a, if you give me like a wild card <laughs> <laughs> and let me study MBA, I will be not only the hardest working student you've ever had, I will also pay back in publicity. <laughs> what kind of publicity did you bring them, Salima? <laughs> Uh, this was before I had publicity, so I didn't know that I would get it. Um, well, after that, I became, you know, the youngest this and the youngest that. And I was rewarded with, you know, the Thinkers 20, the Nordic 30, the 40, 40 Europe. You know, I could continue and continue. I just made it to all those lists. And um, it's not something you can buy, right? You have mm -hmm. to and it's not like I forced people to recommend me or anything. It just happened. But it happened because I've always been good in, you know, being at the right time, at the right place. I show up. I don't sit on my couch watching Netflix or anything. Like, I show up, right? I put on my lipstick. I bring my A game. I meet people. I try to be amazing. I connect people. That's one thing I want to tell you. I don't, I'm not necessarily showing up for things to get something out of it but I'm an extremely well-connected person that connects other people and if you do that if you help people finding a good job maybe a new home or even a new wife you know if you help people with things that they care about they will always be thankful so I have this tendency on being able of being top of mind of people's head because I'm extremely generous with my time and I'm so connected. Sometimes I'm more networked um, in terms of helping people than helping myself. But I'm an extremely good networker. And you know, if you're good in networking, there's nothing, nothing, nothing in the world you cannot accomplish. 
And I could see this when we fast forward. You are currently World Economic Forum expert. You are a United Nations Women Ambassador. You are a CEO of a company that's focused on digital collaborative space. You're one of the top 50 emerging management thinkers globally, as assessed by the Marshall Goldsmith Foundation. You are 40 under 40 European young leaders. You are a TEDx speaker, TED Talk mentor, and you're a best-selling author and columnist. And who could have imagined this, Salima, when you no were 13? One. No, no one. Really, no one. Not even my parents, not even my family. You know, I always love to entertain people about all the things that I wanted to accomplish in my life. And people were really laughing, laughing out loud. I was dirty, my socks, you know, when I visited friends, I smelled bad, I came from a smoker's home. My parents had, you know, issues with alcohol. They went bankrupt twice. We moved around. I've moved schools more often than I can count. I think I've been to 10 schools. I maybe, I've maybe lived 40 different places, four different countries. Um, so, you know, um, I think people thought of me like a borderline liar, you know, and, and I will explain. I already, when I was a very young girl, I already, I was already, I was already capable of imagining me being on stage, having an audience, writing books and all those things. Even when I was 15, 17, 19, I already talked about how I wanted to spend my life working globally, being, you know, a leader, entrepreneur. <laughs> and people just laugh because what is wrong with this girl? Mm -hmm. Remember, I lived in, in the suburbs in mm -hmm. Denmark. And no offense, I love my mom's country, Denmark. It's a very safe, happy, good country um, for people who don't aspire to become much in life. It's really brilliant for that. But if you aspire to be very different, it changed. It's changing because young people in Denmark also, you know, have access to inspirational videos and books and whatnot. So I think in many ways, Denmark is becoming more like any other country with, you know, high ambitions and whatnot. But I grew up in the 70s and 80s. And as a woman, as an immigrant, I never, ever in my entire life, I've never seen a brown woman running a company. I've never seen a brown woman maybe one or, few, one, or, one or two in politics, but they were really not like immigrants. Remember, I was not born in Denmark. I was born in Morocco. So I got my citizenship when I was four. So, you know, I grew up understanding that I was not part of the elite and I would never become a part of the elite. I'm still not part of the elite. I'm still not accepted. I'm never going to be one of them. And But, you know, being an outsider was brilliant because what do I have to lose? Mm -hmm. I don't have a reputation I have to take care of. I don't have a, um, I don't have to, I don't, so I can take chances because I've lost everything before in my life many times. So I'm extremely good at taking big, bold risks. And I dare to think and speak my truth. I, I have no problems by standing all by myself, saying something completely different than the majority of other people because I'm used to being alone. You know, I'm used to being bullied. I'm used to be the underdog. I'm used to be the outsider. So you can't really threaten me 
that we will throw you out of the circle. I'm not part of the circle, right? So I think it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it has been extremely helpful for me later in life that I'm so strong and independent. And I am not, I never wake up in the morning thinking, oh gosh, what will people think? I never, ever, ever think that. That's a strength. But you pay a high price, mm -hmm. right? So when people say, oh, I want to I wanna live the life you live, and I'm like, no, you would not do that, darling. You don't mm -hmm. want to be in my shoes. Mm -hmm. But um, so it became a strength, you know? Yeah. The other side is always greener when you're not on it. I mean, I, I got together with my husband when I was just 20. So we've been together for 25 years now. And when we started dating, he was 18. His friends, I love them dearly, but they did tell him they could never, ever be with a girlfriend like me because I was way too ambitious, way too independent, way too outspoken, way too much. And they asked him, are you sure you want to be with that woman? Even my mother-in-law for 17 years, I think she's, she kept asking him, are you sure you want to do this? Um, so I'm not an easy person to be around, but I will make sure that you never, ever, ever get comfortable or laid back. If you're with me, you will always be on your feet. And that is either regardless if you are my spouse or my children or my colleagues, we want to improve the state of the world every single day and try to do our best. Mm -hmm. And I could see that you are very passionate about what you do now, especially in the collaborative digital space uh, yes. and the um, post-pandemic time. Salema, you're a venture capitalist, you're a CEO of a company that is focused mainly on digital communication. What do you think, in your opinion, say two or three biggest advantages that virtual communication brought to workplaces both academic and non-academic institutes. Oh, I so of course it's super super sad that we are in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. That's you know that's a tragedy, mm -hmm. and the way every single country besides almost Israel, everyone is handling this like a disaster, right? Mm -hmm. So that's sad. That is a tragedy. But the good side, the upside of this pandemic is that finally, mm -hmm. finally. Via virtual. The mm -hmm. tools that we're using right now are premature. Like they're not good. You know, Microsoft Teams, Zoom, all those platforms out there, okay, they're good enough. They solve the problem. You and I can have a video audio experience, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really help us work better, right? I mean, it's just another layer of, you know, whatever. But it's so what we see right now in the space of, of collaboration and productivity is that. AI and uh, machine learning and human behavior is going to be melted in together. And the tools that you will see coming out really in just a few months are going to improve your virtual experience significantly. And honestly, a lot of in real life, in-person meetings like they used to be before the pandemic was boring long <laughs> only you Salima can mention direct names on the show yeah go ahead <laughs> no, but you know they're like boring you know you and you sit in a room with someone that is dominating harassing mansplaining a lot of things are happening in those meetings right 
And then we go virtual and the same things happens virtually, right? I mean, the mm -hmm. platform gives just people another platform to be mm -hmm. boring, assholes, bullies, you know, it's just same, same, just different platforms. So I'm, I'm really excited living in Palo Alto, being in the heart of Silicon Valley and really understand the effort and the money. If you follow the money, it goes directly into how can we improve uh, productivity and collaboration globally on new platforms, right? So for that, I'm extremely excited. And I've always been global. Really, since 2004, no, since 2007, I've worked and spoke, whatever, in more than 40 countries. So I'm used to traveling. I've, I've always been, you know, super jet lagged, away from my family, bad health, um, not a lot, not good productivity, hence because you travel. And I've always, always wanted to be more online. But if you're the only one, right, then you, you need network effect, right? Mm -hmm. You need many people to be on platforms to get something out mm -hmm. of it. So when the pandemic came and we finally realized that a lot of jobs can be done remotely, people finally got, okay, this is sad circumstances, of course, but people of really got they, got, they got their freedom back. You know, I can sit in my yoga pants now and you wouldn't know, right? You don't know what I did just 10 minutes before this podcast started, right? Mm -hmm. I, I commute less. I'm more with my family. I'm spending more time with my kids. I get better sleep, better nutrition, more exercise. I'm spending time with my lovely dog every day. I see my husband every day. So really, it's true that the pandemic has been extremely stressful because people are, are fe fearing of losing their jobs or they might not have that extra room or from where they can work and they have to homeschool kids. I'm with you on all that. Like all that, we're going to solve that. But really, people now get their freedom back. And a lot of big companies in, the, in Silicon Valley has finally moved out of their offices. They're never, ever going to return again. And finally, when you look, you know, and all those new jobs that are being posted, 70% mm -hmm. of them, 80% of them are now saying remote only. So, you know, regardless what you think of this, I think if you as a company want people back in the office, and let me tell you, even with the vaccine, mm -hmm. it's going to be a huge liability if you force people back in the office because new mutations will happen. You know, it's going to be a whole next level of liabilities. So if you force people back, I think you will lose talent and people will look at you as extremely old school. But mm -hmm. we will have some kind of hybrid model, of course, right? Something. Mm -hmm. And we will go back to the office for socializing and those kind of things. But we will never, ever return full time in the office. I think that's, that's long gone for most um, organizations. So three things for studying. Brilliant. Finally, you can study from home. Finally, you can take some of the most expensive courses and classes online, some of them even for free. So that's one thing. Finally, good education is affordable and accessible. That's one thing. Finally, you can start a company from your living room, from your kitchen table, from your bedroom, whatever, from your car. You can now run a global business. You don't have to live in San Francisco or Berlin or, or Tel Aviv or Helsinki or Copenhagen. Now you can really live whatever, right? You can live in some inexpensive place and still run a global company. You can hire the best talented people. You don't even have to meet them anymore. You can just run a global company. Thirdly, also, um, I think virtual the virtual way of working is brilliant. It's simply more inclusive. If you have a disability, 
if you are a single mom, if you have old parents that you care for, or if you are poor or broke, that was before the pandemic a huge issue. If you was a, if you were a single parent um, with no car, living in the suburbs, you you just put on right back. Mm-hmm. You couldn't you couldn't get a job mm-hmm. in San Francisco or whatever. You have to commute, and so really today the the virtual way of working has been the biggest revolution for disabled people. <laughs> because mm-hmm. now they can mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't have to leave their their house to really get a job right mm-hmm. you don't have to have a, an assistant with you you don't need to ask for your law for your company if they have this special toilet thing that you need you can work from home i'm not saying that so living with no social contact is good mm-hmm. you know mental health issues don't even get me started but for work mm-hmm. being remote is perfect and let me share a secret with you Mm-hmm. Our kids have been homeschooled or distant learning is really the right word mm-hmm. since March, end of February, start March. So it's almost so a year now. It's almost a year. So two, so yeah, last grade and this grade, right? Not mm-hmm. going to school. Uh, half of the second grade, half of that last grade and then th- this year. And they will probably not return to school, maybe in September maybe in September for the next grade. Mm-hmm. And uh, my kids will go to middle school and college then. But the thing is, I asked my son, he's in middle school, mm-hmm. going to college next year. And I asked him, uh, high school, sorry. I asked him, so um, how do you feel about this homeschooling thing? And he said, mom, I am no longer stressed. My grades are better. I feel fantastic. I wish I could be remote educated all my life. Hmm. so i i'm telling you for the kids even it's more it can be for some kids more inclusive mm-hmm. if you're a little if you're a shy boy age mm-hmm. 13 being in front of a camera might actually be a better solution than being in a classroom for now I, I'm, I'm of course everything has a disadvantage yes what about social skills emotional intelligence we, we can talk about that too but really the basic is if you have the basic hardware software and wi-fi that's a necessity right you need that Mm -hmm. if you have that is brilliant then the society is very inclusive so of course we should make sure that everyone has a computer wi-fi and all those things that that's basic but in a country like us that's not easy lots of people don't have it but it's a human right if we can Mm -hmm. get that right then we then we've done a lot of good things for the workforce this is really intriguing, and I understand that you always have distinct opinions. <laughs> what points you believe other inventors in the digital communication space might disagree with you about? Well, they have all those arguments, you know, that in real life, in-person matters, it's more important, it's more real. And I would argue it's not. It's not. A lot of horrible things happen when people are in a room together, you know. What I love about virtual is you can track so much more, right? Mm-hmm. You have data on so much more. So, you know, after this after this inter- interview, you know, I might have data explaining, educating me how to be a better participant on podcasts, you know, what I should be aware of. 
or the data might tell you how you can improve the quality of your meetings, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All those things are out there. It's just putting those things together. So in a way, I think virtual provides us with unique opportunities that we've never seen before. And really, the, the, the physical world, the in-person uh, world is very slow. Mm -hmm. and, and I think, you know, so here's the thing. Remember, I was not born into a community and network or into power. Mm -hmm. And I was not invited. Remind, remember in the 70s mm -hmm. and 80s, 90s, network was not about including people. It was mm -hmm. all about excluding. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it changed, right? But because more and more people are aware of networking. But, you know, back then it was something that you were either born into or invited into. This was, you couldn't just decide to create a network, mm -hmm. right? Who, who want to be in your network? No one, right? So I think... I think virtual now, I mean, if I want to find my tribe, if I want to get rid of those people in my life that makes me feel miserable, that might have unhealthy habits that hinder me in reaching my potential or, you know, whatever, you know, if I live in a very small city and let's say I'm a, I'm a homosexual woman uh, or I might, whatever, you know, I might be in a situation where I'm the only one. You can't really find a tribe if you're the only one. And all those small suburbs, all those small cities around in the world, people are being isolated alone. They sit there and they feel completely weird and clearly alone and miserable. Today, you click on your computer, you can find your tribe or you can even create a tribe. Isn't that fantastic? And, you know, of course, it's super sad that your house is not full of people that come over for dinner. But over time, our technology is going to be so good that even virtual connections are going to feel real. And that is, regardless whether we like it or not, that's the way we are heading. And me, I have family in different countries. Mm -hmm. I cannot fly and see them for dinner, uh, you know, as often as I might like. Mm -hmm. Thank God we have technology that's going to be so amazing that I will feel like my mom is sitting with me at the table. And it's just like... It's in very near future. I'm speaking like one year from now. So it's like, I, it's brilliant. I love it and I like it. Speaking of the downside, yes, it's true that emotional intelligence is very, very important. And we will have one or two generations from now that are socially handicapped and really emotionally mm -hmm. you know, disconnected. Mm -hmm. But to be quite frank, when I look at my grandma and mom's generation, they are totally messed up, you know? <laughs> right? I mean, so what does it mean to have a not messed up generation? It's never going to happen. It's just a different generation. So we call them Generation Corona, right? It's just, they're just going to be different, but they will learn how to survive a pandemic. And they're going to be traumatized, that's for sure. And those traumas is going to be what it is. Before we move on, I'd like to ask people watching us now to open a new tab and look up Slima com and click on press. When you click on that tab, you can read some of her greatest articles and you can also follow her on social media at Sulaima Gurani, one word, and the links are posted in the YouTube description. Now, Sulaima, let's shift gears yeah. to the business world. Oh yeah, I love business. That's actually one of the few things that I really, really care about that's business. Yeah. That's, 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 yeah, my heart is made of business. I love business. It brings all the best in me. 
<laughs> yeah, you are a venture capitalist. You are a World Economic Forum expert, an entrepreneur. How do you envision the new norm for entrepreneurship and startups? Oh, startups are beautiful. You know, actually, we see is 2020, if I'm not mistaken, and sometimes I am, but I will be bold enough to say I think 2020 was the year where most people either submitted a book <laughs> <laughs> or a business idea, right? I mean, mm-hmm. everyone wanted to write a book or they wanted to start to build a startup. I think one of the very good things about the pandemic is that people realized, oh my goodness, I could lose my job. Oh my goodness, my whole industry is about disappearing. Yeah. We've been, by the way, we've been talking about those 30, 40, 70, in some nations, 100 millions of jobs that are going to disappear over the next years, right? I mean, we knew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But everyone was expecting, oh, that's in 10 years. That's in 20 years. That's in 2030. Guess what? Mm-hmm. It happened in less than six months. Tourism, if you were like in hospitality, mm-hmm. if you are an entertainer, mm-hmm. speaking of being a global speaker, you know, all those jobs, boom, gone yeah. in a heartbeat. And we also saw that we need different kinds of jobs. You know, we, we need people in healthcare, we need people in in delivery, you know, in, in working for Amazon and all those giants. So we also realized that we really can't get enough people deployed fast enough in other mm-hmm. industries. So it's really entrepreneurship is something you can be taught. Don't walk around and think I, I might be a good entrepreneur. I might not be. It's really a matter of understanding, reading the trends and tendencies finding a problem and issue that irritates you. If it's irritates you, it's probably irritates other people. No, it's true. You might not come up with something that's very brilliant that no one thought of. You're not that brilliant. No one really is. <laughs> but it is if you can execute it. That's mm-hmm. the secret. And today you can go on Y Combinator, All Race. You know, there's so many, um, there's so many uh, educational programs incubators out there online and guess what you can sit in your living room and have access to the most brilliant entrepreneurship coaches mentors in the world for free mm-hmm. so what do i see i see millions of people realizing okay my union is not going to help me my government clearly enough i need to upskill i need i need to i need to have revenue streams coming in that's not dependent on me having a job. So I'm going to create a job. That's, I mean, I, this is not something I'm sitting making up. We can simply look mm-hmm. at the numbers. Mm-hmm. Significant more people have applied to different incubators in 2020 with new ideas than mm-hmm. ever before. Mm-hmm. So clearly people are thinking more about entrepreneurship. And the funny thing is when I grew up and I couldn't get a job, I, you know, I, wrote hundreds of applications and I, I was never able to get a job. And if I got a job, I got laid off, you know, it's horrible. So entrepreneurship was for me really the only thing that worked out because you can't fire me. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I, I function very well with entrepreneurship and the whole notion of having no security. So the thing is for many years, having a job meant security, but now people are realizing having a job is not safe. It's not secure. Because really your destiny is in the hands of a manager, a CEO, a board, 
and they might misread the trends and tendencies or simply not react fast enough on things mm -hmm. that are happening in the world. Mm -hmm. So what do I see for entrepreneurship? I think entrepreneurship is not going to be like, I think today maybe if you go into any elementary class and you mm -hmm. ask the kids to raise their hand and you ask them, so how many of you want to be entrepreneurs? Let me guess, out of 20, maybe three people pupils mm -hmm. will raise their hand, maybe four. Mm -hmm. I think now it's going to be much different. I think the next generations are going to be much more entrepreneurial. You know what? I told our kids, you can become whatever, whatever you want in life. We are going to support you no matter what. You can become anything in life. Just don't get a job. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's the wisdom? Bad employees mm -hmm. make excellent entrepreneurs. I did not know that. Is that a saying? Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. So and if you can take it good or bad because if someone told you you're a bad employee, mm. maybe that means you're a good entrepreneur. You know, <laughs> entrepreneurship, is, it, entrepreneurship is the most rewarding profession in life. It really, really is. It, so I've started four, four different companies. So this is my fifth one, really. But this is the first time where I have been fundraising myself as a CEO with my team, raising all that money myself. That's the first time. Usually I could, you know, honor or give the credit to some white dude who's raised on my behalf, you know. But this was the first time I raised with my own hands, with my partners, of course. But the fact being that I was responsible, I am responsible for building a tech company in Silicon Valley as a woman of color, I'm 45. I'm an immigrant. That's incredible. I don't think anyone else is doing it right now. So this brings me to a very important point in the million dollar question now, Sulaima. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Many people, as you mentioned, they lost their jobs, especially in retail, hospitality, travel, you name it. And we are not going to see many of these jobs back. No. It's, it's not going to happen. If there are, there will be much less of them. Many of them are in their mid-30s, some in their mid-40s and some of their early 50s. Yeah. How can they rebrand and reinvent themselves? It is extremely good question. And it, it, it really is a million dollar question. And so here's my take on it. Besides the government of Singapore and actually to some extent, New Zealand, Australia, and, and UK, mm -hmm. top of mind, right? Mm -hmm. Besides those mm -hmm. states, mm -hmm. very, very few nations mm -hmm. have really succeeded in finding ways to upskill generations, mm -hmm. right? Because governments are not really geared to understand the major, you know, trends in the world, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they really are not. Mm -hmm. They are public. They are like, they are holding public offices and jobs and everything they do is, you know, safe and secure, mm -hmm. comfortable to many ways. They are good employees. They're good employees. <laughs> otherwise they wouldn't make it in politics, right? So I think in many ways, the nations are failing. And they don't know how to attract good investments and global partnerships. I mean, Startup Chile is really an interesting project, right? Mm -hmm. Startup Chile, you know, they realized many years ago, Nicolas, a good friend of mine, he started this whole thing. He realized that U.S. kickout 
graduates and <laughs> immigrants who have a PhD and they, oh, whatever, don't get me started. And he picked <laughs> them up and said, why don't you come to Chile and start a project here and we will give you a tax uh, deductible, fine, you know, terms and whatnot. And he even started measuring how to make sure that they fall in love with someone from Chile so they could get more babies. This is so fun. But Startup Chile was a huge, is a huge success and have been adopted to some extent by other nations. I know Jamaica is trying to do it. But the thing is, it is really fun because you need to have really uh, innovative politicians who say, okay, let us go to the airport and back good people to stay in the country. Let's mm -hmm. make sure they find a date, a good house. Let's make sure that they can you know, start a company and they don't ever want to leave this nation again. But because a lot of nations don't think like that, then, you know, they don't get the best projects to the country. Um, people don't invest in the countries. And uh, and um, I had the, this is kind of a story, but I'll make it short. I think maybe this is 10 years ago, maybe more. I, I'm not sure. Uh, I was somewhere and I asked, uh, maybe I was in China. Yeah, I think I was in China. You know, I traveled so much, so I might not remember all the details. But I remember I was in China and I was told that uh, China for one full year had deployed, oh, I don't remember the details. I'm just going to make it up as I go, but just to, to elaborate what was mm -hmm. going on. Let's just say China sent out 19,000 teachers mm -hmm. to go to 19,000 different places around the world to study what should the education of future look like in China. And they returned and they deployed it immediately. You know what I mean? When I started talking to teachers all over the world and nations, no one sent teachers out for a full year to study mm. what they could learn from other <laughs> nations, but China did, right? And this is just something like, okay, who does this? So you have to be extremely visionary and really understand tech and investments and mm -hmm. trends and investments and all those things. And, uh, and I don't see many nations being like that. So what should you do? First and foremost, I'm sorry to tell, but you have to hold your destiny in your own hands. Mm -hmm. You have to find out Let's say you work in hospitality. Those skills that you have, I've I've been in I've been in, in hospitality uh, in the hospitality uh, industry for many years. My mom and dad they owned a hotel, um, one of you know for maybe six, seven, eight years when I studied. The way I make money was to be in the dishwasher dishwasher thing in the restaurant or serving breakfast, right? Um, so serving people, and you know what's interesting? Those skills of being a good host hospitality, my friend, that's a very needed skill in pretty much every industry. Customer service, online support, insurance companies, you name it. If you are good with hospitality, that's needed. If you're in a hospitality, maybe you can help people that hate to cook, hate to eat, you know, they, they need things delivered to the door. They need meal solutions they need you know whatever there's so much you can do so you have to look at one-to-one -one transfer can you go like sideways upwards downwards and use the same skills that's the first thing you should think about re-innovate yourself with those skills you already have or you think what is the next natural level for me and my my competences so and then you can upskill yourself for instance i found it quite interesting and amusing that if you are good to write code because it's the same logic right so and if you can code you can learn to hack and wow boom you're going to be one of the well most well-paid people in the world i never made the connection 
<laughs> so you see, it's just the thing that you have to like, and of course you have to look for something you're passionate about. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. I think passion is to some extent really overrated. Mm-hmm. You get passionate when you find out you're good at something. You start seeing, oh, I could do this. You know, this is fun. I can make money. Then the passion will come. Mm-hmm. If you only sit and wait for something passionate to happen and just only work with things you're passionate about, then you're never going to find a job. You have to create a job, get good at it, live, the, with, live with the frustration, and really uh, live with the fact that it's a never-ending story. You will never reach a level where you can call yourself an, ex, an expert or I'm educated. Mm-hmm. I mean, our grandparents could do that, but we can no longer. So you have to prepare yourself for being extremely flexible um, and have maybe 10 careers in your life and stop seeing yourself as a waiter or as a nurse or as a, you know, that you were for that period of time. Now move on. And I think transportation, delivery, home care solutions, all those kind of things, you, we can't even find enough people to serve those industries. And if you're 50, you know, 50, 50 if you're 55 today, if you have relatively good health, man, you still have another 30, 30 years to work, right? It's, mm-hmm. I mean, I, my daughter is 11. I expect her to turn 120. That's the expected lifetime from, for generation alpha, right? So I think <laughs> don't look at yourself as old. But of course, if you, have, if you have bad health, if you haven't been able to take care of your health because of, you know, nutrition, bad housing, pollution, habits, bad habits, smoking, drinking, uh, chronic illnesses, that's a, that's a real thing. Like that's a real thing. That's, that's probably the biggest issues because the, the overall, overall health of people in many nations are really bad, mm-hmm. really bad. Like pollution, by the way, has destroyed many good people's fortunes and lives and that's actually the number one reason why people go bankrupt it's not because they're entrepreneurs that's because they get health issues and can't mm-hmm. pay and can't pay the bills because of the high cost of the health care so do you envision resumes and cvs mm-hmm. just going away would we look at them differently if people have five ten different gigs and they are trying to see which one will work for them maybe the whole concept of resume and CV would not be the same. No, it will not be the same. It's out of the window. It really already is. The gig economy is the fastest growing industry, right? I mean, oh, I wish I was better prepared with the numbers, but I, let me just throw it out there. I think 30 or 40 million Americans are gig workers. It pro- it's probably even more, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, an, it's just incredible. What matters, I will tell you, the, the social capital matters. So uh, references and people recommending you will matter much more than anything else. And uh, in a fast-paced economy and a rapidly changing workforce, what really matters the most is that you have one or two people who recommend you for what you're good at. And remember, you're good at what you're doing because you deliver results, not because you have some education, right? Mm-hmm. You can be a graphic designer from the finest institute, but if you damn don't know how to execute those skills, you are not a good graphic designer. So, and thanks to technology, you can prove your work much faster. Mm-hmm. And by the way, more and more enterprises are using AI and robots to read resumes, right? And more and more companies are asking you to, you know, make videos, 
where they actually have algorithms reading your body language and, you know, people use recruiters only in the end of the process. So really be in, a, in, a, in an authentic and and authentic and, and competent person will take you far. So in a way, it's actually a much more fair job market right now because mm. can you deliver results? If you cannot deliver results, that's bad news <laughs> because then you're not going to succeed. And I kind of think, I, I think that leveled out, leveled out, level out the play field somehow. So I think that's yeah. very good. However, I will say still education matters. I mean, if you get a, a education from Yale or whatever, Stanford, Berkeley, and so on, it still matters, but that's only because people don't like to take risks. So they think that if you, if you succeeded getting into Yale and succeeded in, you know, finishing well at Yale, there's kind of, you know, a reference, right? Okay, then you must be good. Um, so good education still matters. But even Yale, even Harvard, like all those institutions now, Stanford, are disrupting themselves and putting more and more things online. And you can take certificates and education from those fine, fine universities online, right? Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. even that, you know, less expensive, not not completely as inexpensive as I would like to see it, but that's because they want to uphold their brand. But over, 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 you know, over the next decade, you will see mm -hmm. a whole different attitudes towards education. Actually, education is going to be one of the most inter disrupted industries in the mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. I fully agree with you, and we have been seeing this trend for a for a few years now, but it just accelerates because of the pandemic. Salima, we are coming very close to the oh, end no. of this wonderful. Oh, no. I know. I'd love to talk to you more. <laughs> I know you personally. You are a dear friend. And you know what? We will have you in a second episode just to talk about your life story because it's beyond inspiring. And every time we talk, I think this is not normal. Like someone drop out at grade seven and get an MBA. I haven't come across any person really? with this yeah it's really yeah really because if you don't have a university degree yeah, it, yeah it that is. was my problem i didn't have any of that you know i i really wanted to go mm -hmm. to the university but i didn't have mm -hmm. the academic background i didn't have you know uh, listen i really wanted to go to my local university and I really wanted to go to the local, you know, uh, college, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I ended up get, getting what you will call a technical education. I think you and I spoke about it this mm -hmm. last time uh, over the phone. And I'm not sure what that is in the US, but it's really a practical education. Mm -hmm. So, you you know, you put on your, your security boots and you walk into this filthy uh, workshop and you learn how to build things and put things together and construction and mathematics and, you know, all those kind of things. And that was the, that is, by the way, the lowest, if you take all the status that goes into education, I have with my background as an export technician, probably one of the lowest rated educations in the nation <laughs> in, of Denmark, like the status, they are known for taking kids who are not very good in school. Maybe they, Okay, I'm, I'm a little biased here, but you don't put your best students there. Let me say that, right? You put students there, you don't know really know what to do with them and they don't have the good grades and, you know, we might be a little bit in trouble. And, you know, it, 
I'm not good with my hands, goddammit. It was the wrong, it's such the wrong place to put me. I cannot build anything. But I was studying there for four years, four horrible years. <laughs> I didn't even like the people I studied with. I hated my teachers. It was horrible, four years. And I had to get up five, 6 a.m. And I have to, had to bike like 15 kilometers to going to this workshop and work from, it was just horrible in rain and snow and whatnot. And the thing, and I'm smiling, right? But it was horrible, the worst four years of my life. And I knew I was never going to work as an export technician. It was just ridiculous. But it was really the only education I could get. But the good thing is, my friend, one, actually two times, I had to go abroad to work for a company mm -hmm. abroad. And that was the beginning of what you see today of my international career. That, so I will say I'm forever grateful for that ridiculous education that was so bad. And I didn't succeed very well. I poorly, I almost didn't even pass. But it took me international. And that was for, and, and look now, you know, I, I live in the U.S. and I've lived in many nations since. And But it was really something. So I am really poorly educated I, I was asked, why was I asked? I don't remember. For some reason, I, 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 was rec I was rewarded with some kind of prize and someone asked me for my MBA papers. I don't know why they needed them. And <laughs> I said, gosh, I don't even know where they are. And they said, you, you paid half a million you and you don't know where those papers are? And I said, no, I don't know. I moved that many times, but you can call the school. They will, they will tell you that, it's that, 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 I, that I graduated from CBS. I don't hold on to education. It doesn't matter. I love studying and I've studied mm -hmm. at some of the best universities since. Mm -hmm. But if you ask me where my certificates are, I don't know. <laughs> I don't care about it. It's for me. It's for myself, right? But I think uh, education is, uh, is really sad because it defines people's life and you start thinking that you're worth nothing if you don't have an education. And I really want and I hope that my story, in a way, can bring back hope to people who couldn't afford mm -hmm. or wasn't had didn't have the capacity at that time in their life to do well. Because the truth is, if you're busy surviving, there's just no yeah. way you can thrive in school. Let's be yeah. honest. If you're yeah. hungry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. if you're hungry, you don't get your yeah. sleep, you don't have like a heating, if the heat is not working in your apartment, yeah. if you don't have a room, if you can't study, if you don't have your thin, mm. simple things for you to study, let's say a computer. Like I walk in the mornings past Starbucks, kids are sitting there studying because it's free Wi-Fi. My friend, mm -hmm. that's not dignified, right? Mm -hmm. So let's upgrade the, the hardware, software, Wi-Fi, and let's give people access to education and make it free. And let's make sure that um, it's affordable and accessible. Then you, then you can upgrade and upskill the whole nation in just a few years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think one thing I would say, you know, Amazon, mm -hmm. Google and other big organizations, we love to hate them. But actually, actually, they have a lot of diplomas and a lot of education, Salesforce that you can access. And for $40 or whatnot, you can take some modules, some of them are for free, and then they hire you afterwards. Mm -hmm. They have brilliant and many, many stories of people that took their education and have a job. So I think lots of those giant IT companies, they might be our saving partner in this oh so in terms of people rebranding themselves would you recommend that they go and find their diplomas from amazon or google and then they can join the 
a workforce that is different from what they were doing before, yeah. but it will be rewarding. The, I mean, if you, if you really force me to give one piece of advice, mm-hmm. go to Salesforce, go to Google, Amazon on, on, and all that. And maybe they, I don't remember, maybe they ask you to, maybe it's $10, maybe it's $20. I don't know. Maybe it's for free, mm-hmm. but really it's in that kind of range, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. less than a truck certificate or whatever. I'm yeah. just saying, go there. Yeah. They are employing many people right now as we speak in new positions and they are brilliant. I mean, Apple, right? They came out, was it two, three years ago and said, you know, to work for us, you don't need to have a degree. Not at all. We just need to see this and this from you that you can work this and this and learn this and this, and then we will deploy, we will employ you. So those tech giants might be yours like and that job you can you can you can apply for that job in them from utah or philip i mean from philadelphia it doesn't matter yes yes i agree you with don't you. Have to move. you don't have to move and you can work in the nights if you like sleeping in you can work in the nights beautiful if you're an introvert beautiful you don't have to be with people how amazing so i think you know there's a lot of jobs out there that are now finally accessible remote yes yes and it opened a big job market. Big job market. You know, yeah. millions of jobs out there and millions of jobs will be added every year. So look out for new positions and don't don't limit yourself to what you used to be. Sit down and imagine what you can be. True. Well said. What a pleasure to have you on Thrive, Salima. <laughs> that is really my, my pleasure. And I love Thrive. I think... Thrive as a as a as a state of mind. It's not something we always do, mm-hmm. but thrive is possible even even with a troubled background, even if you have traumas, even if you feel like you have no talents at all, you can still thrive. But you have to, my friend, look for opportunities. Start reading the trends and tendencies in the world. And I'm sorry. Don't wait for someone to come and rescue you. Your unions do not have your back. The government, clearly not. You're on your own. And that's sad. That is really sad. But instead of waiting for someone helping you, then you should start finding out how can you help yourself. And even if you only have $5 in your, in your pocket, that $5 can, trust me, take you a little bit of the, of the way because there are things out there that is completely free. <laughs> so if you have 20 minutes a day, you can be educated into something completely new in six months, even with that little amount of time. Yeah, indeed, indeed. And for people watching this episode of Thrive, if you are enjoying this conversation, please share the link on social media so that others can benefit from the great insight from Sulaima. And remember to check her website at sulaima.com. Click on the press icon. You will find her blogs some wonderful articles that she wrote about the new status of the world and the new status of job market in the post-pandemic era. Mm -hmm. And until we meet next time, keep safe, keep motivated, keep resilient, and see you in the next episode of Thrive. Thank you. Thank you. 